0: Today, there are 2 million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast.
1: This is the French-Canadian
0: Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau. Now, since Mike and I have started this podcast, one of the coolest developments in the Franco-American world has unquestionably been the Young Franco-American Summit. Now, for anyone who may not have caught the past episodes where we have talked about this, it is a gathering of young Franco-Americans and they have presentations and they just simply get to be in each other's presence, which is very, very cool. And as this is such an amazing event, I have absolutely no issue with talking about it whenever we can. Now, this year's event took place the same day as Fest, and I have been two people who were in attendance that day to tell us more about it. Daniel Moreau is the man behind the amazing Dawson YouTube series. It is the driving force for this young Franco-American event. And we will also speak to someone very well-known to listeners of this podcast, a member of the French-Canadian legacy team and the woman behind the terrific Modern Franco's blog, Melody Desjardins, Daniel and Melody, welcome back to the French Canadian Legacy Podcast. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us again.
0: Now, I said in my intro, this was the same day as Fest. Can you tell us where it took place and how you ended up at that specific venue?
1: It took place in Manchester uh, in the Milliard Museum. We basically spent the whole morning doing presentations, um, networking, that sort of thing. Then we kind of individually moved it, moved to protein Fest in the outskirts of Manchester in the afternoon. Yeah, so how'd you guys end up at the Milliard Museum? I think it was just by chance. Um, we wanted to go somewhere that was meaningful to Franco-Americans, and we knew we wanted to go to Manchester. F- several weeks of searching, we uh, ended up deciding on the Milliard Museum.
2: Yeah. So the whole idea at um the first young Franco American summit was how about we have this thing move around everywhere? Um, just pick up new locations and get more people involved. And uh yeah, so it came to figuring out where we're gonna hold the second one. And I mean, why not New Hampshire, obviously? So, you know, Manchester was an obvious choice there. Um I mean, Nashua is also a great Franco-American spot in New Hampshire, but yeah, we decided on uh, Manchester ultimately and um, found a great spot in the Milliard Museum. I mean, pretty much the perfect spot, I would say, in Manchester. And yeah, a nice crowd showed up, uh, took a group photo, and there are 17 of us in that photo, so I'd say that's pretty impressive. I believe at the first one, there were 12 of us, maybe 14, but... This, this second one, we definitely had more people attend.
1: Awesome. So, trending in the right direction. Now, did you guys actually get to tour the museum at all while you were there? Absolutely. Because we rented out the space for the museum, uh, it was offered to us for a, uh, a rather low price. It, it, it's always a really good experience to tour that museum. Um, I've been there probably twice. Okay. Oh, cool. uh, one time... Um, was my first visit to Manchester. The second time was kind of touring around right after uh, viewing the museum space. And then, of course, after the, the summit, I toured it again. And the people behind the Milliard Museum and the Manchester Historic Association are just fantastic. And, you know, we, I think we owe a good part of the success of the event to them as well.
0: Very cool. No, I'm super excited. Did you guys get a chance to stop in
1: the gift shop? Uh, I mean, not I've, me personally.
2: Yeah, and I, I've been there before. Actually, the first time that I stepped in the Milliard Museum, I went with you, Jesse. So I remember seeing the gift shop and um, just seeing all the amazing books. Being able to see walk into a gift shop and see books that say Franco-American on them, I mean, that was just uh, – I had never experienced that before, honestly. You'd think that that's not a big deal, but – For me to see, oh, Franco-American history, Franco-American this in a gift shop was just amazing. So, Yeah,
0: I think I counted – this is why I mentioned it because I think last time I was there, I think I counted six books that were either written by Robert Perrault or he did the forward for something like that. I think five of the six were hit. It was awesome. It is very, very cool to go to that place. All right, can somebody tell me about some of the presentations that we had this year?
1: Yeah, so we had about – Four regular presentations, and then we had a keynote. Uh, we had some presentations like um, the barns of northern Maine in the Acadian St. John Valley, where the Acadians live in Maine. Oh, Who did
0: that presentation, by the way, about barns and
1: Oh, uh, Joey LeBlanc. Joey LeBlanc was the one that did the presentation on the barns. Cool. Um, and Cybele grise did... The presentation on, I want to get this right, the Patrie Francaise, I think, which is a, um, well, was a record, a Franco-American record label in Lawrence, Massachusetts.
0: Oh, that's um, cool. Uh,
1: Melody Desjardins, who did a, uh, a presentation on traditional costumes of Franco-Americans and um, what we might adopt into our current culture, Megan Murphy, who did uh, her presentation on representation of Franco-Americans within the classroom and using her experiences as you know a Gen Z slash millennial who grew up in a Franco-American household and subsequently brought that teaching and what her experiences were into her classroom and just ended up inspiring a lot of students and helped realize that There's a thing called Franco-American. It helps them identify. And there was, of course, the keynote by Claire Marie Brisson, who talked about the hyphen in Franco-American, what that means, um, and, and the weight that the hyphen carries. It was incredible. We had her last year as a regular presenter, and she was just so good that we brought her back as a keynote.
0: Melody, real quick, before we go on to anything else, we mentioned what your presentation was about. Now, I recognize that as being one of the many articles you write as part of your blog. What made you choose that as something you wanted to present as opposed to all the other things you could have presented on?
2: Yeah, um, it's something that a lot of people, I don't know, either people love the idea or they are very confused by by it. And actually, when we were planning um, this young franco-american summit uh daniel actually was like hey do you want to do something about um all this like costume and traditional dress that you talk about and i was like yeah that's a really good idea actually so um i didn't think i would you know take on that idea again for this but um i thought it would be a good way to just bring it to a live audience and not just you know another article that i could post on on the blog so uh yeah and i had um dug more into the subject and I started finding all of these French Canadian um, folk dance groups um, in Quebec primarily. And so I thought, well, you know, they wear all these different dance costumes and I thought, well, they probably just make any kind of costume like a lot of dance groups do nowadays. Um, And then I started finding that some of these dance groups do dances from all around the world. So they'll have like different cultural costumes and they'll label which country those costumes came from. And I kept seeing in their photo albums that they would label Quebec as one of these places that these uh, folk costumes came from. So I thought, okay, well, if they're labeling, this costume is from Poland, this costume is from Brazil, this costume, you et cetera they were labeling some of these costumes as being from Quebec and some of them had specific locations. So began digging into these locations a bit more, trying to find the exact inspiration behind these costumes. And unfortunately I didn't find a lot, but that enough just sparked my interest in bringing this topic up some more. And uh, yeah, I was able to just talk about these different folk dance costumes and um, just find the similarities in all of them. And who knows if they are directly inspired by um, some remote area of Quebec. I mean, there's some inspiration in there. I can't quite find where that is yet, but it, I, whether it's like a modern spin on it or if it's directly inspired from somewhere, I still think it's really interesting and uh, it's just something I'm, it's really, enter- I've always really been interested in how different cultures express themselves in terms of dress and Uh, what they wear for ceremonies or dances. So it's just something that's always interested me.
1: What happened to you guys after the event? What'd you guys do? After the presentations, we did uh, the museum tour and then the event just kind of officially ended and we all just drove over to uh, Fest. So I ended up getting there actually a little bit later than um, some other people. But, uh, you know, I got there, found some parking, is really easy to get into. Uh, obviously, I had my ticket. You know, just walk in, get a T-shirt, get your swag bag, and then you hop over to the um, the place where they have all the putsin and oh, so many samples. I could only <laughs> eat like two and a half.
0: <laughs> Was this your first time, Daniel at a putsin yeah. fest? All right. W- yes. What what were your thoughts then when you walked in and saw
1: that show going on? I've never seen that many uh, Franco enthusiasts and. Just general appreciation of Franco-American culture um, in one place uh, outside of the context of just trying to get back what was lost. Because the other festivals and gatherings I've been to, it felt like it w- they were trying to grab a hold onto something that was already dead. And the thing that I really appreciate about Putin Fest is that it's very much alive and it very much feels like a festival that I want to go to. And I can't really say that a lot of, about a lot of festivals in general.
2: Yeah, so this is the second Putin Fest that I've been to. Uh, last year, I had an amazing sample of vulgar display of Putin's Putin because it was gluten-free. Sure, It was so good. I was immediately hooked. I, I finally understood what was so great about poutine. I had never had it before. I never grew up with it. And so this year, unfortunately, I, I didn't see a- anything gluten-free. Maybe I missed it. And please reach out to me if you have gluten-free poutine. And I, I got there a little bit later anyway, because I had gone home to have lunch because I just kind of figured, well, I don't know if I can eat anything there. So uh, one day, maybe I'll enter the poutine fest game with my own gluten-free poutine.
0: That would be terrific. And good luck on manning the fry later, though. I think that's a, that's a heavy job.
2: I'll figure right. it out. Uh,
0: <laughs> sure. Now, all right, and did anybody do anything after Putin fest?
1: I just went back to my apartment and laid down.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, a, a bunch of us uh, hung out in Manchester. That was really cool. So, uh, we kind of toured some of the Franco American sites, we went to St. Marie's and uh, the Fernand Gagnon statue in Lafayette Park. Um, and uh, even though Jesse had given me his grand Franco American Manchester <laughs> tour before, um, it was just cool to go back there with a group and uh, just talk about Franco American stuff. Cameron Martin tour guide this time. Yes.
0: And what I thought was pretty cool was I was able to connect with some of you because we even went out to a restaurant in downtown Manch even after that, which was an absolute blast. That was a really good time. All right. Well, this is a cool event because I think that interaction, that social, like, because we obviously communicate a lot through, you know, social media or whatever. But to be able to have that in-person interaction, there were some people like like, Cam- like Cameron Martin, who I've talked to 100 million times over the computer, but this is the first time seeing actually in person. So, yeah, no, I think that kind of thing is a really, really important part of what you guys are doing.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's just fun to get a table somewhere and just <laughs> have a bunch of us. I don't know, maybe we're all just kind of crazy, but, you know, the table that we had in New York City when uh, we had gone to that event and this time in Manchester, just, you know, get a bunch of us at a table and everyone's just having different conversations. But, it pretty much all lines up to something Franco-American related, something Quebec related. And it's just an amazing time.
0: sounds like another successful young Franco-American summit. What is the future looking like for this summit? What are we thinking about going forward with this event?
1: As of a few weeks ago, I resigned as head event organizer just because it was getting a lot for me and I was looking for someone to take a hold of the reins and none other than uh, melody took them on. And I'm, I don't think I could be happier with who the reins ended up with. Cause I know it's going to thrive a lot in her hands.
2: Yeah. And I think it would be interesting just how the young Franco American summit moves location. I think it would be really interesting if we had different people take on head organizer, um, just not like every single year, just kind of whenever, I don't know, maybe we should do like term limits. I don't know. But, you know, whenever, whenever the current head organizer decides like, you know what, I, I would rather pass this on to somebody else because it, it is a lot of work. Um, it is a lot of time and energy, of course. And so I, I just kind of thought, all right, you know, I'll take it this year. I think that'd be really, um, really a great experience. And I could put my own kind of spin on it. And then I don't know when I've, when I feel like it's time to pass it down, um, I hope that there'll be somebody there to take it over and they can do their own spin on it and uh, move it around to different locations. Yeah. I I think it would be a really good experience for young people to uh, have that experience of hosting an event and organizing one. So I think that would also help put put the, put that on a resume, you know? So I think this will be a really good opportunity for us younger people to socialize. I mean, we are a bit more into the digital world than people who are older than us. So I think it'll get a lot of young people outside of, you know, like what you're just saying, meeting up in person. It's great to meet people over social media and talk to them and everything, but it's it's a whole other thing when you can actually see them in person and have a conversation. And so with the Young Franco-American Summit next year, um, yeah, I will, I will do my best to throw another great event. Yeah.
0: Are you giving any thoughts of when or where it would be yet?
2: Well, definitely keeping the October time. That's just such a nice time in new England. Beautiful. Um, you know, it's, it's not, not too cold, uh, not too warm. It's just perfect. So yeah, I don't know. And maybe in the future, if it's in New Hampshire again, we could team up with Putin fest again. And um, cause I think the, having the two events in one day. I think it worked out really well. I thought it was awesome. And that'll get more young people to go to Putin Fest. So um, I think I think the future is bright for the Young Franco-American Summit.
0: And the good thing about it being in Merrimack, obviously Manchester is super close. It's also super close to Nashua if you want to do
1: there. Or Lowell. It's really, actually really close to Lowell if you wanted to have it in that as well. I do want to mention that we have an official Discord server for planning the Franco-American Summit and also uh, the the Young Franco-American Summit community. We have a, a small little server that's maybe only half a dozen people right now, but we're looking to um, expand it to everyone who um, who will most likely end up coming to a, a summit event. And also... Um, And it will provide a place where people can kind of chime into the planning process. And in fact, one of our hopes with it is that uh, we can have more people come on to the planning process as a whole to our committee. And I think once that, um, like what Melody was saying with eventually finding someone to take the reins off of her hands, I think hopefully by then we're going to have even more... Uh, passionate young Frank Americans um, in the process.
2: Um, I just wanted to say real quick about the discord. Um, Yeah. Just reach out to us if you're between the ages of 18 and 35, or you'll be between the ages of 18 to 35 by October of next year. And uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're interested in just attending, that's okay. But uh, yeah, I I would love um, people to volunteer and, uh, join me in coming up with some ideas and uh, the planning process if they, they'd like to get involved in that. Yeah, just feel free to reach out to us and, you know, we'll get you in that discord.
0: Well, it sounds like this year was another incredibly successful event. Congratulations to you guys for pulling this off. Again, the idea is amazing. I think it's absolutely terrific that this exists. And the fact that it keeps growing is incredibly encouraging and it really is throwing it in the face of all those who keep saying that you know Franco-American culture is either dead or dying because obviously we're getting finding more and more young people who have a true passion for it and you guys are a big reason for that so congratulations again talking to Melody Desjardins and Daniel Moreau thank you very much for joining the podcast
1: now our fathers look at us and sigh with
0: despair to think that everything they love we simply do not share the
1: spirit never dies, our culture will survive. Each of us must choose how much to keep alive. Each of us must choose how much to keep alive.
0: Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FCL Podcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.